Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Mackie. What are you wearing? <laughs> Let's reclaim the word basic. Let's do it. We are versatile gals. Onions. Ladies, we are onions. So many layers. Do you hear that ASMR? Mm. Sounds like a cowbell. Hey, what's up? Oh, you know, just a Thursday night drinking my Chardonnay and my PJs in my living room. That's a great Thursday plan. The best kind of right? Thursday evening. Totally. How are you? And how was your day? Tell the, um, tell the people. It was good. You know, I got a late start because I did a little too much on a Wednesday night, but we're here ready to rock and roll. How about yeah. you? No, same. Later start. Later start to the energy. It took me until like lunchtime where I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, I got to kick in the gear here. So what was the coffee order this morning? That was probably part of the issue. It was not, there was not. No coffee. There we go. Yeah. There we go. The caffeine was lacking, but we made it work tomorrow. Good. It's fine. For anyone listening right now, Mackie and I were interested in doing a good gossip segment. We work in the entertainment industry. We love Hollywood. We love pop culture. And sometimes entertainment news can get a bad rap for air quote glorified gossip. Um, Yeah. And like, I get it because humans, like we're all drawn to the drama, but I really like to emphasize the good and the greatness that comes out of Hollywood. And so we were thinking we'll do this fun little like good gossip thing where we share something in Hollywood that inspired us and made us feel good or smile or laugh or just something cute and take it away from like so-and-so's divorcing so-and-so and and what (gasps) went wrong. Although I do want to know that too, but we just won't discuss it here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is more of the feel good vibes. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, this week, kind of big news. The WGA is on strike, which is long overdue. I feel like the entertainment industry has had such a such a change in the past 10 years. And you know, and writers WGA use- Writers Guild. Of America. Of America. Yes. Good. Just Good for job, like the, anyone who might not know. <laughs> yes. Um, in the past 10 years, you know, writers used to make residuals every time that their show that they wrote was broadcasted on broadcast television, on cable. And obviously, a lot of people don't have cable anymore, myself included. So with all the streamers, those writers are not making the same money that they would have made 10, 20 50 years ago. Um, And so it's been bubbling up and they tried to reach a deal and they did not. So I think this is a huge step forward for not only writers, but really everyone in entertainment with the whole shift to streaming. There's a lot of unknown and there's a lot of big tech people that are kind of calling the shots. And that's not how this industry that is pasting creative work should really work. Um, So I'm just excited to see what happens. And I really do hope I have full faith that they will come to an agreement that benefits the writers and they get, you know, a little bit more of the pie than that we were, than what they were making before. So yeah, I think it's good for everyone in the industry. It sucks for writers right now because they're probably out of work, but I hope that this can be kind of a milestone in every department, unscripted, scripted animation, you name it to kind of move with the times and, and stay afloat in the way that we deserve to be compensated and treated for our work. Yeah, like a common theme I'm hearing is that like these executives are continuing to rake it up um, and bring in the dough, but the writers, the foundation of the content that we love, mm-hmm. they aren't making a livable wage. And that's kind of where it's like, okay, this doesn't make sense. So the rich are getting more rich and the or are getting more poor. Um, Welcome to the Twilight be, Zone. That might not be the best example. And like, yeah, you can be rich and still continue to get rich and be rich. Um, but in LA, you need to make a livable wage. And if you're at the foundation of these incredible shows and movies, those are your ideas. You're bringing the storylines to the producers and the actors. You do need to be making hopefully a livable wage and more money and yeah yeah 100 percent. and it's just it's really it's just pay creatives what we deserve period yeah end of story i heard someone one of my um 
friends on her Instagram story said something like, I don't know if you guys remember the last time that the writers went on strike for like a hundred days. Don't no one quote me on this. Cause I could be butchering the information right now, but that was when it was season two of, um, Oh, Friday night lights. And <laughs> you could tell that was a really dry season. Cause there were, there wasn't talented writers writing for that show anymore. So she's like, you can tell when, when, you don't pay people their worth and they go on strike and the content um drops so yeah we if you want a good storyline come on execs pay the i will say that was the same year that uh reality tv had a huge upswing so i've heard um, that be predicted as well mm -hmm. people said that yeah industry workers are gonna start swinging over to reality tv because it doesn't listen in corporate writers technically from a production standpoint Join us. Join us. Join it's us. fun. Let's hear about your good gossip of the week. Okay. Okay. We'll pivot to my good gossip. But yes, writers going on strike, movement is happening, and we grow in the uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> For my good gossip, I recently read Esquire's, I'm holding the magazine up. Um, <laughs> Esquire's feature on Papa Pascal, Mr. Pedro Pascal, who's having quite the moment so happy he's having this moment long overdue um the internet is eating him up but this particular quote i'm gonna read it to you guys really stood out to me um it's about his career this part of the feature and it says pascal worried that it was never going to happen for him acting that is he says i died so many deaths my vision of it was that if I didn't have some major exposure by the time I was 29 years old, it was over. So I was constantly readjusting what it meant to commit to my life. I'm sorry, what it meant to commit my life to this profession and giving up the idea of it looking like I thought it would when I was a kid. There were so many good reasons to let the delusion go. And I stopped because that hit me hard. That resonates with me so much. I think this idea of like when we're younger, especially anyone who is very passionate about what they do and they know what they want. You have this vision. It's like tunnel vision. And I know you can relate to this, Mackie, and perhaps other people listening can. And mm -hmm. when it doesn't happen as soon as you want it to, or as soon as you predict it to, you kind of get into this anxious headspace. Am I cut out for this? Am I good enough? How do I make it happen? if it doesn't happen in the next five years, what else am I going to turn to? Those kind of thoughts. So to hear him say that he thought if he didn't have some major exposure by the time he was 29 years old, it was over. Like particularly that quote, because that's, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm 27. I really want to do, really want to be a host or, you know, correspondent. Really hard to get your foot in the door here in LA. And if I don't, if no, if I can't get my foot in the door in the next two to three years, am I going to have to pivot? So I don't know. I just, it was really nice to hear him relate to him and think, but the success does come. It is inevitable, you know, work hard, be kind and trust the process. That's kind of what I took from it. I don't know if that resonates at all with you and if you have any thoughts, but that is my good gossip. Yeah, no, I think that quote, the first thing that kind of struck me about that quote is that timelines aren't real. Mm -hmm. It's just another reminder that if you do what you're passionate about, and if you believe, like deeply work and believe, it'll happen one day. It may not happen when you expect it or when you want it to be, but I really do think that there is purpose and passion. And I think that his story is beautiful in the sense of, you know, never giving up on something that you want. And he is beautiful. <laughs> I did love his Met Gala look. He wore shorts. That was he, ballsy. He could he could wear a garbage bag, and I'd be like, "Oh, Vogue, yes, work." <laughs> Side note: Who um who was your best dress from the Met Gala? If you had to pick one, I love anything eclectic or crazy. Um, I love the idea of it being like art that you wear. So I kind of went with the Doja Cat and the Lil Nas X mm. of it all. Who okay. they both coincidentally wore cat like um i wouldn't even say gowns but like you know get ups outfits um and it's it meant something it, it was on theme 
Yeah, kind of. Carl. Not, what's Carl's last name? The Met Gala theme this year. Carl. Something. Oh, Lagerfeld. Lagerfeld. Thank you. Lagerfield. Yeah, I should have. I was hesitating to don't say fact it check I was us, like, frick. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was like a nod to his cat. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cute. What was yours? Cardi B, hands down. She kills it every time. She does. She really she, does. Oh, she God. so does. <laughs> she, but she's so high fashion. Like, I feel like if you, like, if you look at her red carpet look, she is always nailing it. And I thought hers for the Met Gala was so on theme and brought the drama and was that work of art that we want to see for the Met Gala. She, close second was Anne Hathaway, but I do think that Cardi wins this one. All of them. I love it. That's like Hollywood's biggest night. One of them. Yeah, I know. You were, you were like working till like 11 p.m. <laughs> basically <laughs> clawing my eyeballs out, but it's fine. Okay. So let's pivot to confidence. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear the definition? Cause I looked it up. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> just, just to see what like, you know, the Google definition is um, confidence, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It's a firm trust, the state mm. of feeling certain about the truth of something. So that's the definition, but I feel like, there's more to it. And I want to get into that with you. you. Mackie had said something so beautiful the other day when we were brainstorming <laughs> what we want to talk about. Um, I'm going to let you say it because I don't want to steal the words out of your mouth, but I loved it. Do you know what I'm um, referring to? I think I do. It was kind of, it, this just came, you know, at the top of my head of confidence is silent and mm-hmm. arrogance is loud. Yes there's a difference. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, and not that like why I'm thinking of social media is because like a lot of times people assume that these people, guys and gals on social media who are posting all of these beautiful, great photos and they're doing all of these things like, oh, they must be so confident because they're, you know, not being loud, but, you know, posting what they're doing Mm -hmm. and these thirst traps, et cetera. Getting a lot of likes and getting a lot of attention. And and I do think like you can still be active on social media and post all of that and genuinely be a confident person. Mm -hmm. But the true confidence, like you're alluding to, is quiet and humble. And it's like a self-confidence. And it comes from the inside. It's not Seeking external validation, i.e. social media, likes, all the things, um, is what leads to confidence. So I think it's, I I did not look up the the Google definition. So I do think it's not a coincidence that the words trust are very heavily used in the definition of confidence. I think we should also say, though, that no one's 100% confident. Yeah. We're human. We all have insecurities. No one's ever going to be like, I'm 100% secure in this and trust myself a thousand percent like no no I don't buy that some people do some people say that or you know they they want to be perceived that way but I I feel like I can see through it yeah I mean I think there is a level of fake it till you make it with this kind of stuff but it can only get you so far and then it's like what's on the inside is really what's going to count and what's going to show through and like you said people can see through that so what you just said also reminded me as I was asking some of my friends what confidence is or means to them. One of my friends said that she thinks of confidence as like an onion with layers. <laughs> and I was like, ogres have layers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then she explained it and she said that there's kind of like three layers to it. You have your outer layer, which is that outwardly confidence and there is that element of like a fake it till you make it and it's how people perceive you um are they a confident person do they carry themselves well etc but then you you go to a, a layer deeper and that might have a little bit of insecurity in it and what i liked about her saying that there's insecurity involved in confidence is the humanizing factor. I really liked that, like you can have a little insecurity or question things from time to time. And that's still that you can still be a confident person because then uh, one layer deeper, the core is almost like the North star or your like moral Mm. compass. And 
when you listen, when you can get through to that and trust it and know, like, it's just this really settling feeling of like, but I know who I am, or I know that this situation will play out. And for a random example, like we were relating this to confidence in relationships and kind of this like idea of like, gosh, are we going to be single forever? Like, is there (laughs) anyone out there that we like, that's going to like us back? And um, outwardly you'd think like, okay, confident gals, they are social and personable. They can go up and talk to anyone. Like they, they shouldn't have an issue with it. They're probably confident. You go a little bit, you peel back that layer. And really then you see that insecurity kind of kick in where it's like, well, I don't know. Like there's more to, my attraction to people that like more to just like how they look. And I sometimes wonder if, yeah, I'm ever going to be physically attracted to someone and also love their soul and their mind. And then will they like me back? That's where my insecurity kicks in. It's like, are Mm -hmm. they the full catch for me? But if they are, will they like, will they like me? And am I ever going to find someone to like share the rest of my life with? But then again, you dig one more layer deeper and I go and and I think about it. I'm like, no, I know it's all going to work out. Like that's so silly of me to think that I'm going to be single forever. Like, of course, I'm inevitably going to find someone and and love someone and like, it'll all work out. And I know and believe that in my core and that's where that confidence kind of comes from in that aspect. Like just to put an example to It's yeah. an inner knowing. Um, I fully agree with your whole <laughs> onion analogy. I, I was um, like, wait, that's kind of, I kind of get it. It's it's kind of spot on because, for example, I have been someone who has been told that I am perceived as an extremely confident person. And this was my whole life. Yes, I, I do think that I exuded a lot more self-trust, I guess, than like, a no, like a normal 14 year old or 15 year old. Cause I'm thinking back in high school, like this still was a thing. Um, but I think for myself, I really didn't feel like true, peaceful, quiet, inner confidence until about last year. Mm. And that's not to say that it wasn't confidence before. I do think that I always car- carried myself well and like believed in myself and had things going for me. But I don't think that I felt that like inner grounding almost like you're radiating something type of confidence um, until last year when I really like sat down and got to know myself and did things for me without, you know, talking to other people about them, if that makes sense. Like just simply being and sitting with myself and making decisions based on what I know to be true for me. And it's just self-awareness truly at the end of the day, it was, it was like starting therapy and like really just getting to that, like (laughs) where you break down and you're like, what do I actually like? What are my hobbies? What are my passions? What are things that I want to invest my time and energy into? And then once I started doing those things and my actions started aligning with what was like really at my deepest core self, that was when I felt real true inner confidence. What prompted you to get to that stage of like the self-awareness and to dig deeper? I want to say that it was, you know, I just want to like know myself better, but like, no, I, I sought out therapy for external reasons. Like I was having a hard time with a problem in my life. And then obviously you start in at one angle and you just get deeper to this core center. Um, All my therapy girlies out there, you're doing the work. We're proud of you. Um, and it's hard work. And if you stick with it, and if you really are consistent with it, you can get some of the most amazing results that I never even thought of when I started or like even reached out to a therapist to begin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so therapy rant over. <laughs> no, 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 no. I keep the therapy rants coming, please. Where do you think confidence comes from? I think there's multiple sources. I think there, like I said, I think there is that core, that core, deep inner knowing self-trust confidence. I think that's the strongest. Um, But I do think there are external things that can validate someone to make them feel important or make them feel worthy or make them feel validated. That also contribute 
to outer confidence. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that when those, those things aren't lasting, those things are, they come and go. And then Mm -hmm. the more that you seek them out, the more and more you need to seek them out, you know, to get your fix. So I think that there's short-term options, whereas that core inner confidence coming from yourself and trusting in yourself is a long-term solution. Yeah. So do you think the core confidence, that inner confidence is something that is innate in people or does it have to do with their environment or upbringing? I'm always kind of, I'm fascinated by the, is it nature or nurture yeah. debate? That will be like my life question. Your it's life's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think confidence is something that is taught or is it something you're born with? I think that everyone has the capacity and ability to have that inner knowing and that inner core confidence. I think it is up to the individual to seek it out for themselves though, or discover it or chase it or find it. Yeah. Does that answer your question? (laughs) It does. I, (laughs) I kind of feel like it does come from your environment. And I think that belief for me stems from the idea that we're all born confident, lovely, good natured people. And then those initial years in our lives the environment around us kind of can Mm -hmm. shape and morph our outlook. And when I think about my childhood, I am so lucky to have had parents that never once, at least from my point of view, doubted me. Like they genuinely, it it sounds kind of storybook, but we're like, whatever you want to do, you can, you put your mind to it, you work hard, you'll figure out a way to get it done. And I think because I spent, because that's all I knew, I spent time being curious and playing and, and loving myself and like feeling good because that's literally all I, all I knew. Like there was not a world in which my parents didn't love or uh, like unconditionally love me or support Mm -hmm. what it is I wanted. Um, they just fully believed in me. And I think that plays a, that played a really big foundational factor in like the confidence that I have today is because I I, like, it kind of was like a, a weird awakening, awakening when I realized, Oh, like not everyone, um, thinks the way I think because some home lives are different or environments are different. Right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. And what a gift. I think that's like the greatest gift a parent can give their child is just unwilling, like unwavering support and love. Also like the people that you surround yourself with as well. And like maybe some of it is a little genetic too, but I think I look at my brother, for example, and I don't think he would mind me sharing this, but he has a, I think like outwardly, and possibly inwardly at that core too, were very different. And it could be because when he was younger, he was diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. And the school system isn't set up to support people like that either. So his environment was tricky. It wasn't as validating. He didn't have the tools to learn the way I learned he had a harder time and then he started questioning, you know, why can't I learn or why can't I get better grades? Why is this Mm -hmm. more difficult? Why am I not loving it? Why am I distracted? Things like that. And I just feel like that maybe took a toll. I also was kind of the bossy older sister and my one and only regret in my life so far is the fact that I was a bossy and kind of a mean older sister when I could have been loving and supporting him. I'm right there with you. I don't know. I do feel like the confidence, that inner confidence can really come from your environment um, more so. And I think I also just like to think that way because that feels like it's controllable then. Like we can make a world, make the world a better place if we all treated people more kindly. Maybe I don't want to admit that it is kind of innate. No, I think I think you make some like super valid points. I mean, every murder doc starts with they were abused as a child or they had a rough family life or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. that is like psychological fact. 
Um, no, I definitely think environment and the way that you're raised have a lot to do with just innate confidence. But I also still believe that if someone wants to seek that out for themselves, they have the capacity to have that within themselves. Do you have a moment in mind where you felt like that core inner confidence? Does something come to mind for you? Uh, yes. And I, this is going to sound a little cheesy maybe, but it was... Don't qualify. Ooh, it was in high school. And I remember I had really wanted to be a successful athlete. Don't know what like what it is with me and like like sports and I, I like sports I like athletes like I just I, who did that why is that ingrained but <laughs> point is I was playing volleyball and I was fine at volleyball but I wasn't this MVP and I realized no matter how hard I worked I did not have the like fast twitch muscles that make for a great athlete. I have perhaps the mindset, um, <laughs> but, but not the actual like physical attributions that go into it. But I was always pretty coordinated and I loved dancing. Um, and so I joined our high school's competition cheer team and they were phenomenal. So I don't know how I made the team my senior year. Um, but they were like, yeah, I guess, Jesse, you can join us. Right? Like you have, you haven't cheered since seventh grade, but sure. And it was great because then that over the, the few months, really a year that I was on this team, I could feel myself like falling. It sounds cheesy, falling in love with, with me and feeling wow. proud of myself. And I think it was because I was good at this, this activity that I liked. And it wasn't like I had to try super duper hard. Like I just innately was more coordinated than I was athletic. And when we, I, this moment plays in my mind in slow-mo and I'm so grateful for it. But when we were competing in the 6A 2014 cheer championship, we had executed our entire cheer routine, which was very difficult and nothing had fallen. Everything was perfect. And so when we hit that last move at the very end, everyone on the mat knew we had just won again, back to back. <laughs> they had won the year prior, the state championship. Um, and it was just kind of this like, it, beautiful narrative arc, I would say, where the whole year I was kind of working on myself. And then I finally felt good about who I was. And now you get the cherry on, on ice cream what's the expression cherry on the cake something like that um, <laughs> where I have like the metal now and it's like straight out of one tree hill it, it it's like it's funny to me it's like okay yeah you just combine what you like and what you kind of are innately good at mm -hmm. and it will work mm -hmm. out instead of trying so hard to be this MVP volleyball player when I have white girl hops and I don't, I shouldn't even say that. I feel like that's cancelable these days, but like my vert <laughs> is probably one foot. I can't jump to save my life. So imagine, <laughs> you know, a five, seven outside hitter trying to block these incredible athletes. No, but boy, could you cheer? But put me. Yeah. And it felt good. We won. Like I was like, I wanted to win something. And yeah. So that made me feel really good and really confident. I was doing things that I enjoyed and things that came naturally to me. And I think that was my takeaway here is just kind of that, like do what you like, find what you're good at and combine the two. That's kind of what success looks like. And that's my little anecdote, my story for it. I love that. And I love that you found it at such a young age. I feel like that's a good age to really come into yourself. You're just about to start college you have the chance to reinvent yourself. I feel like that is really yeah. a really, really good age to start kind of that core belief and self-confidence from within. Yeah, it felt, it felt good. I'm glad I have that moment. What about you? Well, funny enough, I also was on the cheer team. I was actually on the song team. Go fight win. In high school. <laughs> um, we also won. I don't remember what the heck that competition was called, but uh, no, we, we went for crowd leading. That was like everyone. What is crowd? Um, what is the difference? Crowd yeah. leading was like cheerleading and song leading and like the sign people like all at once. It was wild. Agora High School crowd leading, wild. 
but no, the, the, the moment that came to mind for me was last year. Um, I took a bit of a break just like socially. I'm someone that loves to fill my calendar. I'm such an extrovert. If I don't have plans, I used to think that like, what, like, what was I going to do with my time? What, whatever could I do by myself? Um, and so I kind of hit a wall last year and I just kind of committed myself to staying in, not filling my calendar. Um, I was out of a producing job at the time as well. So I was like trying a new skill, trying a new part-time job and stopped dating and used my nights to start a online psychology course on Coursera. And it like, I was really into it. Like a lot, I feel like a lot of people do online courses just to like learn a thing or two, but they don't like take it really seriously. I was like, pen to paper, we're going back to school, baby. Like I was like taking notes. Um, and I loved it. I like truly, truly loved it. And I spent like an hour a day, just like listening to the lectures and doing the reading and like really immersing myself in that new hobby and that new skill. And by the end of it, when I got my certificate, I didn't pay anything for it. So I didn't, I don't don't have anything to print for it. But after I did that, I was like, damn, like I really didn't, I didn't tell a lot of people like, like I wasn't boasting about how I'm like going back to school online or whatever. I was just like, I'm going to do this for me and see if I like it. And like that inner confidence of being like, Oh, I did that thing and I crushed it. And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and now I'm like a multifaceted person who's a TV producer who also is interested in psychology and taking courses and reads books about that kind of stuff just made me feel so much more grounded in who I am and confident about who I am and how I'm presenting myself and really kind of, they always say like when you're dating, like stop searching for the person you want and, and become that person. And I feel like in that moment, that's what I was doing. I also think there's something to be said about setting a goal and accomplishing it. Like you wanted to complete this course and this task and do it for yourself. And then doing that is, it's very empowering. It, and that's also kind of what confidence is too. It's like, you feel empowered. You think you can essentially like do whatever it is you set out to do. Yeah. And it's building that self-trust and self-reliability of like, I'm going to accomplish this goal. I'm going to do this thing. I'm committed to finishing this. That builds self-trust, which as we know by the Google definition is the same thing as confidence. Yeah. (laughs) This is going off script here. What are things that you think people can do daily or what are things that you do daily or maybe weekly that build that muscle building the mu- the muscle mm-hmm. of like I can set my goal and achieve it and that is in turn building confidence yeah i think that the easiest way is really just showing up for yourself however that looks like so for a while i had a 5 minute journal which i feel like has taken mm-hmm. the internet by storm Um, And it's like, you wake up every morning and you write three things you're grateful for, three things you want to get done today. And then like a mantra, like I am dot, dot, dot. And then at night you open the journal again and you write down three things that went well today and something that I could work on for tomorrow. And the point of the journal is like, you get into a routine and you use it every single day. And I did that. And yeah, it is now my like, I will buy it for all my friends on their birthday. It is like the number one gift to give. Um, And I do think that is such a useful tool because every day looks different. It's unrealistic to be like, I'm going to walk a mile every single day. No. What if it's raining? Like you're not going to get it done. (laughs) Um, Well, if you have those standing desks with the treadmills underneath what oh like me <laughs> because the rain in LA okay yeah call me out. <laughs> I love my star power treadmill <laughs> I think that that is a very useful skill because you are a useful tool because it can change with how you feel that day um it could be drinking eight glasses of water a day it could be it doesn't matter what you do it's it's the self-discipline of Boom. writing down what you want to accomplish and doing that that's a, yeah, boom right there. That's the <laughs> takeaway. That's the headline. The self-discipline can create the confidence. 
not an OD self-discipline though. I know some people like take it so far and I'm like, you need to relax. Oh, we're not um, talking military self-discipline. No. <laughs> self-discipline in the way of waking up an hour earlier to go to a yoga class before work or intentionally skipping the junk food aisle, the chip aisle, that's my favorite aisle, <laughs> at the grocery store to eat better for the week. Um, and I think that those like little things of self-discipline will lead to a deeper trust in yourself, which as you said, is, is, as is Google the definition said. of confidence. <laughs> I do want to say though, not all confidence has to be that like core inner trust knowing. Like there have been times in my life where I didn't have, I wasn't accessible to that yet. And I still had little tricks to kind of get me out of a bad headspace or like make my environment like a little bit brighter. So for example, um, in college, I had a real tiff with my roommate one year and like, it was bad. We had like a big, bad falling out, but we still had to live together because it's university housing. Yeah. And I knew she was moving out at the end of the semester. I had like two months left. It was like November. And I was just so in my head and so just like, it was affecting my entire mental health. And one day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I don't want this to get to me in the way that it's been getting to me. And I'm going to shift my mindset. And for me, I love alliteration. I love a good party. <laughs> we theme. eat it up. Ah, it's my shit. Yum. Um, and so I created this thing called No Fuck November. And it was kind of just my mantra across the entire month of getting myself into a better headspace. And it, I just like filtered my every move, my every action through this no funk, no fuck November lens. And what that meant for me really was just not giving a shit, not giving a fuck about what was going on in my apartment, living my life in the way that I wanted to live it, seeing my friends, still doing the things that I wanted to do and just kind of putting the stresses that were going on in the for in the back of my mind um and it really worked like i said it's one of those things that it's not a sustainable long-term solution <laughs> to all of your problems it's not gonna like give you confidence forever Mackie's like, like stop caring about anything <laughs> <laughs> like i hate to admit it but it really did help me it really did and I mean, I made amends with that roommate now. We're on good terms. Time heals all wounds, right? Um, and maturity and growing up and taking responsibility. <laughs> but I look back at that time and I'm like, damn, like it really is just a shift in mindset sometimes to get you in that confidence state of mind mm -hmm. and change the way you move. So your point of like, that's what you needed in the moment. I think mm -hmm. like I would add on just this, idea of self-awareness asking yourself what do you need to be more confident today or this week or this month because yeah one month you might be in that situation where you're like oh my gosh mm -hmm. i'm overthinking this and da, 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 and i'm stressed about this and there's tension in the room i i need to not give a shit and so that's what you do yeah there might be months where or times where I don't know what the confidence could be. Like this has happened to me before where I'm like, I just genuinely, this is going to sound a little shallow, but it's like, there's times where I'm like, I feel gross and ugly. Like, and that's surface level ugly. Like I just like, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, like hormonal acne or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I will, mm -hmm. what I need for myself in that moment is to put on makeup, Curl my hair, volume. I know I love volume. <laughs> like it's flat and it right now, but like put some curls in there, tease it, go grab a drink with a friend or go grab dinner with a friend and like, and feel hot. And that's, again, I know that sounds kind of surface level, but that works for me in the moment because that's what I was needing. So I guess it's just, yeah, having the self-awareness to know what, like what confidence you're needing at that yeah. time. And if it is more of an inner deeper insecurity journaling that always helps me running in the entire <laughs> you know? world like there's all of these different tools talking with a friend I feel like I'm preaching like the most basic things right now but <laughs> like one thing I want to do in terms of like a general overall confidence in my life and gratitude is make some type of display that 
I can put little tiny notes or pieces of paper in each evening. And then every evening I'm writing Mm. down one thing I did that betters myself, whether that's like I reached out to my coworker who's a correspondent and I asked her if we can grab lunch so I could pick her brain about the industry. Like even just drafting and sending the email, that's something I did to better myself, whatever it might be. You know, that was like a real example because that happened to me the other day. But then I put that piece of paper and that note in the display box. And over time, you know, over a year or two, it fills up. And then you have this symbolic like art in your room or whatever that it looks cute, hopefully, but now it's full and you can look at it and think that those are all acts of self-worth. I like that idea. It's funny. Where am I, I going with this? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I got you because you. I'm a big like New Year's resolution, reflect on the year type of person. Yeah. So one year I was like, I'm going to do art thing crafts. I am not crafty by any means necessary. And Lies. I like got, <laughs> no, no, really not. Um, and I got different colored pieces of paper and I went through my year, like I went through my journal and I went through my photos and I wrote down like all the good things, whether it was like a job promotion or I went to a cool concert or I treated myself to something, whatever it may be. It was like all the positive things from that year. And every color of paper had like a different meaning. And I like wrote it out, folded it and threw it in a jar. And so that's like my 2020 or 2021 year in a jar. But I think that you can do the same thing in what you were just saying. Yeah. And like, it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be like one of those like I am and then you write down all the adjectives <laughs> that you are like no because you don't feel those all the time and you don't no. feel those at that one time where you're sitting down with your like metallic sharpie you know <laughs> so I think that I like your I like your idea I think there's something here of like if you had a really great day or you did something that made you feel really good or feel really confident, you write that down and you put it somewhere. And that way on your ugly days, because we all have them, you have something to remind remind yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like self-compassion in a way. Yeah. I think, I think you inspired me to make a new, a new fortune jar. I need to figure out what it is that I want. Like I'm thinking like shadow box kind of thing where like, you know, eventually it fills up because you're putting all of these little notes and little pieces of paper over time. But I'm, I need to figure out how I can get one that's cute and like kind like a uh, cute so that I can put it on my wall and it and it looks good. Like I don't want it to be something that's hidden. I want to see it grow and fill up over time. All right, we're going to work on this. We're going like to have symbol. We're going to have an authentically mm-hmm. basic crafting day. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. Well, you know those also shadow boxes that are for like the wine cork. Have you seen those before? And you like Mm -hmm. pop the cork and then eventually it's full. It's kind of like that. I was just going to say, you could write it on a cork. Yeah. But I want like, I want it to be more of an everyday thing. And I'm not drinking a bottle of wine every day. Why? <laughs> That's probably my liver to like the self-discipline part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's do some arts and crafts. If you're in LA, <laughs> hit us up for real, actually. <laughs> Mackie and I have a really fun pop culture confidence game to play with each other and also so that you guys can laugh at us because I think it's going to be pretty amusing. Each of us have picked out three songs that we think embody what it means to be confident. We've found the instrumental version (laughs) and we're going to play it for one another and see if each other can guess what the name of the song is. How are your instrumental detecting skills? Not not the strongest, but I think like hopefully I'll be we'll be able to do it. I think um you'll be able to recognize two of the three songs that I chose. One of them is a little bit of a loose canon. We'll say that. Might be a little country. So I don't know how long. Oh god. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, actually I might not get it. Um, but do you want to start (laughs) a song? Applebee's song? Is the Applebee's song (laughs) confident song? (laughs) What's wrong with the wait, what? No, you know that sounds like Applebee's on the country and (laughs) that's what they all sound like to me. Oh no, no, I do know what you're talking about. Something about Applebee's. It's the Applebee's. I like that. I like the remix of that song, actually. (laughs) Oh shoot, it's gonna come to me at 2 a.m. Um okay, do you want to go first? Song number one. I can't hear it. It's not playing for me. Can't hear it. 
ah, technical difficulties. You hear this? And if, if you can, then guess what it is. Okay. Oh, thank you next. Ariana Grande. Wow, record record time I love that song thank you next is totally for me it's like that's some good core confidence because she's saying thank you for all that you've taught me in this relationship I'm not heartbroken I appreciate you I'm moving on to someone a a better suit for me like thank you next and that my gal is confidence Go, Ariana. Yeah, Ari. Next up, are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. I don't think you're going to get this one. Here we go. I heard it for a second. Now I don't. Anything? All I am here. Wait. By dirt, by Jordan Davis and Luke Bryan, and it's beautiful. Um, what's it called? It's called By Dirt, B U Y D I R T. By Dirt. Find one you can't live without. My dirt. A song about confidence. This is why. Let me tell you. He's he's saying you can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt, aka like experiences and property. And he's saying, like, buy dirt, build a house, fill it with people you love, make them laugh, watch your kids grow up. It is so beautiful. And I just love it. So that's why it's confidence to me. An interesting approach. I like the idea of like confidence is not buying all the materials. It's spending time with your family and your loved ones. And like it's it's inner, you know, it's a stretch, but I do love the song. I like that. God, I wish mine worked because I have such a counter song to that. It just defines our personalities so well. Tell me what it is or sing it. Maybe I'll give you you the first line. Okay, I'm in. I'm locked in. Said little bitch, you can't fuck with me. You want to. He's expensive. These is red bottom. These is bloody shoes. Bodak. Bodak. Yeah, Bodak yellow. That's also confident. That would be the outer onion layer. (laughs) We know I'm great at the outer onion layer. Um, No, it's just funny how you were like, yeah, like, like material things can't buy you happiness. And I'm like, these is red, (laughs) but it's so important to have the range, you know, like, yeah, you want the, the goods and the glory and the looks and the material, but like, also it comes from within. Yeah. We are versatile gals. Onions, ladies, we are onions. So many layers. (laughs) Okay, I have one more for you. Here we go. I think you'll know this. Oh. Haley Seinfeld. Yes! I kind of was going to go with Goodies by Sierra. Ooh. There's so many good songs about confidence. There really are. We should make a playlist. Authentically Basics Confidence Playlist. Can you sing your other ones? Okay, wait, wait, wait. I feel like I learned something just by Googling this uh, song's lyrics. Hold on. Hey, hey, hey. Just think while you've been down, while you've been getting down and out about the liars and the dirty, dirty cheats of the world, you kind of been getting down to this. Sick beat. I feel like we have an echo, so that might not have lined up correctly, but Taylor yeah. slipped. Um, okay, and my fun fact about that song is that it was written. This is what Google is saying. You got a fact check. Written by Nick Kroll and Reese Witherspoon. What? <laughs> I don't think that's true. Fact checking that. Reese I Witherspoon. Thought, I thought Taylor Swift writes all she of the right? I mean, I like I 
does she write music? That's what I mean. I couldn't even imagine Nick Kroll and Reese Witherspoon collaborating in the slightest. There's got it must be a different Reese Witherspoon. No, no, I, I don't. I, <laughs> who wrote Shake It Off? Oh, I think she sings it in um, the movie Sing. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe they both play. I never saw the movie Sing but maybe they both play animals that sing Shake It Off. Oh, that's for sure what happened. Yeah. Swift wrote the lyrics and composed the melody with producers Max Martin and Shellback, an up-tempo dance pop song featuring saxophone line in its production. Uh, fake news. I'm dying because that life is like, what the fuck? Pay hey, writers what they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Reese Witherspoon is selling her production company for $780 million or whatever she sold it for. Some crazy, almost a billion dollars, right? Like two years ago. Make that money. Um, okay, then the very last one. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. <laughs> yeah. God. I love Gaga. I'm already feeling more confident. I hope anyone listening to this podcast hasn't lost their minds with Mackie and I. Um, (laughs) And are also feeling more confident and maybe took something from the pod. I mean, we're all going to make those like confidence jars there's got to be a better name for it than a confidence <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna circle back next episode we'll throw another idea into the confidence jar of what confidence we can canister it. alliteration <laughs> you really do eat those up i love it and i also like the idea not the idea but the definition of like growing your confidence through self-discipline and self-awareness and some bops by yeah but have you seen uh kevin hart's comedy special where it's he's talking about breakup and pizza bop okay i'll send that to you (laughs) i love it this has been so much fun um guys if you liked this podcast please leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear more of jesse and i are so open to talking about anything and everything under the sun so we'd love to get your feedback and like and subscribe all right cheers to that cheers to that okay love you love you